Well, we've been going through the book of Revelation and we're, we're getting into some pretty crazy business uh, as we get here into the, the middle of it. So um, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to, to guide us this morning as we enter into uh, Revelation 13. Our Lord, we're grateful that you have taken upon yourself and not only to devise a plan to save us, but also that you might by your full counsel give us understanding of what will come. And Lord, while there are parts of our mind and our heart that don't fully understand the things which you say, we pray that the things that we do, we will grasp onto and we will pay attention to who you are and what you've said will happen so that we won't be unaware in the day in which you return and unaware of the things that are pointing to your return. And so Lord, this morning, I pray that you would guide our hearts and minds into the things that you wish for us to understand. I pray that you'd guide my mind and my heart and my lips, Lord, to obey what you would have me to preach this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We are in Revelation chapter 13, so if you have your Bible, please turn there. Again, if you need a Bible, don't have a Bible, we have Bibles available on the back table in the foyer or on the side over here. You can keep that if you'd like. Uh, we just want to make sure everybody has a Bible. Because the Bible, even though we read it a lot of times for historical things, you know, we come to it, we read about, well, what was the history of creation? What was the history of Israel? What was the history of Jesus? What happened in the beginning of the church? We also come to the scriptures to address what is presently happening uh, in the world, most particularly what's happening in us. It addresses what's happening in us right now. It tells us, hey, you're a sinner, you're in sin. That's happening right now. It also says if you're in Christ, Hey, you are a sinner, but you've been saved. You've been washed clean, and now you're a saint. And so it's dealing with that present. But in addition to those things, both historical and present, it also talks about future things. And it often, when talking about future things, uses very prophetic language, not because God's tricky, but because he wants those who will fully seek him and wants to know those things in full, that he will, at the right time, give understanding to that prophetic language. And so as we go into it today, there's going to be talk and illustration and symbolism that's prophetic, and there's several things that I don't know. I'll probably say I don't know a bunch of times, but there are things that we can know as we begin to kind of look at Scripture, define Scripture, and as what Jesus says, this is what it's going to look like. And all of those things we just hold and say, okay, that's what Jesus says. Let's head into the future, watching around the world to see where these things are happening. I will say this, that I believe that the things that are being spoken about in the Scripture, even as we come to Revelation chapter 13, and as it talks about the end and it talks about all this taking shape, that that stuff is beginning to take place in our day. That even though we don't quite have all the pieces in place yet, the things that were spoken of in the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel and all the other prophets concerning the future and Jesus' return, all the events and things that need to take place to usher that in are beginning to take place. So it is good for the church, as the scripture says, to raise up your heads and to be aware and wait for Jesus to return. We need to be learning for these things. We can't say, well, I just don't know. I can't understand it, so I'm not going to try. No, Jesus says, read it and then watch. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to read a little passage and, uh, and just hold these things and say, okay, let's watch the world. Let's watch the events. Let's see what's happening and watch these things come to fulfillment as Jesus has them fulfilled according to his plan. And I want to make particular attention of that, that it is Jesus' plan, that what he says here, he is ordaining and allowing to happen, even though it looks like there's a lot of evil and, and uh, Satan behind these things. But as we come to 13, just to give you a review of last week, it spoke particularly about Satan as the dragon. He's the red dragon. 
He's at war against Jesus, has been cast down to the earth. He's limited right now. At the end, there will be a time where he's released and he goes and, and deceives all the nations and brings them together for battle against the Lamb, against Jesus. And so what we're finding now is, is a, an opportunity for us to see behind the scenes of Satan and his kingdom, his system. And so we come into 13, having just read about that dragon, and it says this in verse 1. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads and with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. And so here we begin, and it talks about the sea and this beast that's coming out of the sea. Uh, my understanding of the sea, if I was to give a guess as to what that means, is later on in chapter 17, it talks about the waters, many waters, and it says that that's the peoples, the nations, the languages, the tribes on the earth. And so I believe that coming out of the peoples of the world is the formation of this beast. Now, when you think of beasts, you might immediately think, well, that must be Satan. In fact, there's some description there that sounds similar to Satan's description as the dragon in chapter 12. It talks about there, if you look again quickly, with ten horns, seven heads, and with ten diadems. That's very close to how Satan was described in 12, but instead it was seven diadems for Satan. This says that there's a beast coming out of the peoples that had ten diadems along with those heads and along with those horns. And so this is something different than Satan, but by what it is described as, we know that it's also very much looking like Satan. It's not him, but it looks like Satan. It has his characteristics. That is, that it's coming from that which is not God. It's coming out of people. And secondly, that with on the heads of this beast are blasphemous names. Names that say he is not God. Names that say we might as well be gods. And in fact, that is what we see in the world today across every tribe, tongue, and language of people. Amen. Is that people by nature desire to be God in the place of God. That was the temptation with Eve in the very beginning. You don't need God. You get to eat the fruit and become like God. You don't need him. And so right now, in the midst of all the world, we don't need God. We've got our government. We don't need God. We've got Walmart. We don't need God because I've got me and I've got you and we can just do this together. We've got everything we need, so we don't need him. And that is becoming more and more prevalent in every nation on earth and in every person because it's just the sinful nature coming. And the problem is, is now all the nations and the collections of societies are helping to legislate and beginning to to approve of the things which our hearts have sinfully desired, and that is to be our own gods. You want to be your own gods? Sure, let's vote it in. You want to be your own gods? Get the candidate in there that's going to let you do what you want to do. You want to be your own gods? Have an uprising in your nation over there to make sure that you get what you want because you're the god here, and that's the problem. We want to be our own gods. And so this is coming out of the peoples. This is rising up as this beast. And what's, what we're seeing here isn't so much one particular figure, but rather a collection of people that are all together aligned with Satan in the system of his kingdom. That's what we're seeing here. The beast is the system of Satan's kingdom. Okay, so as Satan is going about his plan, he's limited, he's cast down, but he's now also deceiving the nations and getting together people to be against the Lamb by convincing the world that they can be in the place of God. And so he's starting the system. That, that's what we're seeing here in this beast at the beginning of 13 is the system of Satan, the kingdom of Satan that's against God. It goes on to describe it here a little, a little bit more in verse 2. 
And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. So the description now begins to say uh, the beast was that like a leopard, his feet like a bear's and his mouth was like a lion's mouth. Any of you hunters, you ever seen one of them in the, in the woods? No, I wouldn't want to see it. Uh, that sounds like a, a vicious beast, a terrorizing beast. Now, it's an interesting description here because what we're finding in Revelation isn't that Revelation is the only book that's ever spoken about this. John's not the first person who's ever seen vision about this. But if you rewind way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, Daniel was given a vision concerning four kingdoms. The first three kingdoms were described as one being a leopard, one being a bear, and one being a lion. And then it says that the fourth kingdom, if you go on, and I'd encourage you, those who want to dig deeper, go to Daniel 7. It might be a lot of uh, you know, uh, confusion at first, but just read it a little bit, and, and the Lord may show you a little bit more nuggets concerning this even. But uh, the first three kingdoms, leopard, bear, and lion, and the fourth one says it's altogether different. But what we're seeing here is the description of that fourth one. The difference is not that it's altogether different, but that it takes a little bit of everything that's gone before and said, let's take the best of whatever's been evil and put it as a war against the lamb. And Satan is pulling together the best philosophies and ideologies and all the best things out of all the other kingdoms that have been against God. And those kingdoms earlier had been identified as Persia, Greece, and Rome. All those things. People today are like, well, let me, let me get into Eastern mysticism. Pull in a little yoga. It's okay. Get a little democracy. That was Rome. Give a little Greece. Let me philosophize this. And now we have the collection of all those kingdoms and it's being injected into one big kingdom, this one that's described, this beast, as a leopard, lion, and bear. And it's all together coming against the Lamb of God. And it says that Satan, as this kingdom develops, that he gives his power and authority to that beast, to this system, to be against Jesus. And so we're, we're watching those things happen never before in the history of the world. Has the world been so unified, even though we see factions, even though we have ISIS and Islam and we have um, we, we have uh, Hinduism and we have I mean, there's just stuff all over the world. And yet at the same time, they're all together, coming together with economy. They all get together just off the, the shores of New York City at the United Nations. Coming together with resolutions like never before. It's never happened like this before. And so we're beginning to see these things take shape where everything's kind of being clustered into one big system that it might roll out in the evil authority of Satan. What well, it says here in verse 3, some of the things to watch for, it says one of the heads, the heads are representative of, of kingdoms and kings. One of the heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And so... One of those powers within this system takes what seems to be a moral wound. People look at it like, there's no way that guy's recovering from that, that, that kingdom. But somehow it's rescued, that mortal wound is healed, and the whole world is like, that's amazing, let's follow the beast. And so one of the things to be watching for is that at some time, some kingdom or something's going to fall, but then be rescued, and everybody's going to be like, that's amazing, let's go with it. That's dangerous. That is very, very dangerous. And we don't know exactly what that is, but we need to be watching for that. 
I mean, I don't know exactly what it is, but, you know, you watch things where it's like, you know, this thing is just going down to the bottom of the sea, and whoa, suddenly there's a resurrection of it. I think one thing to be watching right now is for years and years and years, you had Catholicism going down the tubes. I mean, Catholicism looked like it was going down the toilet. And now what do we see? We see one at the head of the Catholic Church who's risen up to such power that the United Nations have now granted him great authority to help bring together all the nations. That's a resurrection. What seemed to be a mortal wound to the Catholic Church there based in Rome is now up and in a high place of power over all the other nations. So it's something to be watching. I don't know if that's particularly it, but these are the types of things we need to be watching and saying, What's going on? Is this what Jesus told us would happen as this beast rises out of the people, takes on Satan's character and being blasphemous, tricking people into going his way? We need to be watching. It goes on and keeps talking about this. And it says in verse four, and they worshiped the dragon for they had given his uh, for he had given his authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who's like the beast and who can fight against it? So. Out of that, everybody's like, this, this beast is amazing. I love it. I love this beast. He's so powerful. Who can stand against this beast? Who can fight against him? If I can't fight against him, I might as well join him. I might as well join him. And up to this point, as we're reading this, I'm sure it's like, well, it's a beast. Who would look at a beast and say, I want to be with that beast? That beast is awesome. But we have to remember who's describing this. See, the world doesn't describe a beast as a beast. And Satan wouldn't describe the beast of the beast. They would describe it in lovely ways, pretty ways, tempting ways, ways that look very gratifying to you. Things that the world would look at and say, that looks delicious. That looks like a good idea. That would help me. Because in the end, it's all about me. And so we look at it and say, why would anybody follow a beast? Because the world doesn't see it as a beast. The world sees it as something that can help me. They can help us. And so the world's completely deceived by this. And sitting in this room, we might think, how could they be so deceived? And yet, how much of the system are we in? How many of you could give up Internet for one day? (laughs) You're the same ones who don't use the Internet now, so you can't say that. You see how intertwined we are with the Internet. As we roll down this path, it says that there will come one. It's the second beast. We'll get to him the next time in two weeks. But it says that there will come one, and then there will be a mark of the beast. And anybody who doesn't get involved in that system and doesn't operate by that system cannot buy food, cannot eat food, cannot get along in life. And so there's something that will entrench everybody. And the church is called to say, I won't do it. Now, we think sometimes, well, it'll be easy to spot it, but what if its fingers are already getting its way into our everyday life? What if it's something that we're not even paying attention to because, you know what, I got free shipping, it must be good. You know, we've seen the deals, it's going to help me, it's got to be good. Certainly couldn't, that couldn't be beastly. But you know what, Satan got Eve with a piece of fruit. He gets Jason with, with simple things. He gets you with easy things. We need to pay attention because the church has been told when you see these things and it'll tell us in verse 17, you get out of Babylon. Don't have anything to do with it. 
Don't take that mark. Don't be with that beast. Don't be with Satan. You're with Jesus. You're with Jesus. See, it's, it's easy to spot things that look beastly. But when it's been disguised, it's hard to see. Yesterday, when we were at Camp Dixie, for, for the church weekend, it was awesome. Um, we missed a lot of you, I'm going to say that. But at the same time, it was just three of our families, and three families had the entire campground. I mean, we had the go-karts ourselves. We could fish on any dock we wanted. I mean, it was just it was awesome. And, um, so, and we felt really safe because it was just us. We knew exactly who was on the campground. And so while we were down by the blob, uh, blobbing people, and no, I didn't blob this time, but um, uh, the blob is this big air-filled sack where one person sits on one side and another person jumps on the other side and it catapults this person into the water. That's the blob. So we were down there having fun, just us three families. We knew who was who. And suddenly two big Harley motorcycles or something go f- flying through the camp up the hill to where our cabins are. Now, obviously, we're like, that is strange. You know, it's easy to identify something like that as that's out of place. There's a big pair of noisy motorcycles rolling through with guys that we don't know going up to our cabins that are unlocked and all of our personables are up there. You know, that's easy to spot. And come to find out there was, you know, there were a couple soldiers who were driving by, you know, Fort Bragg through there. They're like, we've never seen this place. We're just checking it out. So, but it, it's easy to be forewarned about uh, from a big noisy motorcycle in a, in a quiet camp. It's harder when spiritually, yes, it's a beast, but in the world, it looks very much like the things that you and I are getting comfortable with. Amen. Have you noticed how things in our own society, people are suddenly just like, yeah, I guess I'll be okay with it. You know, how hard was it for social issues that we knew were ungodly in a day when we could say, you know, the Bible says we can't do that. And now today when something comes down, we say the Bible says not to do that. People are like, yeah, but we might hurt people's feelings. And now it's so easy to get those things passed. It's so easy to install that into society. Why? Because people have said, who's like the beast and who can fight against it? Is this really that bad? Do we want to hurt people's feelings? I mean, I don't want to hurt your feelings. You don't want to hurt my I mean, it could be anything. The things that are so into your life. Could you give up the Internet? Some of you say, well, no, I don't use it. Could you give up your little Debbies? You know, choose something that you have on a daily basis that you have a hard time giving up and say, can I part from these things? Because as the beast and as the system goes and gets its fingers in, what happens when the beast says, you align with me or no little Debbie treat for you. No internet for you. No going to the store to buy your family food. No going to get pure water for you. I'm taking your house. You are cast out. And now I'm going to kill you. What are you going to do now? Fine, give me the mark and give me my little Debbie. Is that what happens? It'll be hard to see unless we're paying attention. And so before that day comes, don't say, well, I got some, t- I mean, I don't see the Antichrist here yet. I mean, are we all the way to where Jesus says, don't say, I got some time. Just let me be what I want to do. And then at this point, then I'll start praying. I'll start watching. No, start doing it now. Get into your Bible. First of all, don't think, well, I need to figure out end times. No, 
Learn Jesus. When you know Jesus and you know him and his purity, then it's easier to see the beast because the beast doesn't look anything like Jesus. When you know Jesus, you understand what he desires for you, and that is that he's not going to give you everything that you want. He's going to give you everything that you need, and that's him. He's going to provide for you in ways that you can't provide for yourself, not just physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. He's going to provide for you. So get into your word and look at Jesus. Learn about Jesus. And then fall in love with him. You can't just know him. Fall in love with Jesus. Make him the thing that you just can't get enough of, that you thirst for him and long for him. You can't wait to talk to somebody about him. Not even somebody who doesn't know. You can't wait to talk to your spouse about him. You can't wait to talk to your coworker about him. And you two just share a time. When we were at camp, I got underneath one of the bunk beds, and I, 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 I wish I could start a hobby of this, just getting underneath bunk beds and, and reading and recording the things that kids and people write. It's so funny to me. In fact, we had bought a, a bunk bed for our kids off the, uh, off the uh, Craigslist, and uh, I just loved sitting there and reading the things that these two 12-year-old girls had written all over this, this bunk bed. One said, uh, Charlie the Unicorn is for real. Yeah, that was one of them in our bug bed. So I was down at Camp Dixie, and I, I was just sitting reading this stuff. And there was all the normal stuff that you would, you would see, like uh, Jeremy plus Bri- uh, Brittany. Uh, I almost said Brianna, and then I was like, I don't want to cause problems over here. Jeremy's going to get it. Uh, you know, there's all, our, I'm, I'm so in love with what's-her-name. There was all that kind of stuff. And then um, there, there was this one that caught my attention, and I just loved it. And I loved it because I imagined there at camp, all the students had been down at the chapel, and at, at the chapel, uh, hopefully the, the speaker was, was uh, obedient and opened the scripture and preached the gospel. And as the gospel went out, there were children hearing about Jesus and how awesome he is and that he's not a beast, he's a savior. He shed his blood to redeem us from sin and redeem us from death. And that those children received that. And this child had sat there and said, Jesus is amazing because I believe that one of those children went up that hill and went into that cabin and sat underneath that bunk bed and took out a pen that could not be erased. And even though it was vandalism, wrote this. Jesus is my everything. And it had a heart around it. I was like, in the midst of the bunk bed, you could see the wrestle of the human heart. Where in some children it was like, Brittany is my everything. What's his name? I want to have him as my boyfriend. And yet somebody came and said, you know what? You can have the boyfriends, you can have the girlfriends, because Jesus, he's my everything. If you went to sleep tonight under a buck bed, what would you write above yourself? You had a permanent marker and you could just say, this is my heart's desire. What would you write up there? What are you so in love with that you can't be without? And we joke about internet and little Debbies. But that thing that you can't live with, what would you write there? Now, it might be lovely to put your wife's name. It might be patriotic to write something about your country, a poem. 
but it would be eternity. I'm in ultimate love with anything other than Jesus. Tonight, as you lay down, if you were to write above your bunk bed, would you be able to write, Jesus is my everything? Maybe you need to. Maybe in your life you need to start writing that down and recognizing that Jesus, if he's not now, he needs to be my everything. You need to get some of that in front of your face. You need to have people start helping you pull your attention away from the beast and away from the world and away from yourself into Jesus. Are you putting yourself in a healthy position to have people take you towards Jesus? If not, get there. Make friends with people who are going to take you to Jesus. Be in conversation with people who are going to keep you at his feet. And if no one's going to go with you, then say, you know what? Let me just stay in the world. I'll go there myself. Because I'm going to tell you what. When that day comes and all this starts to go down, the people that you think are with Jesus, the scripture says there's a good chance they're not. People are going to start falling by the wayside. Saying, actually, you know what? I don't know if I'm in love with them. I'm in love with this. You stay off. You stay on. You go because Jesus is your everything. So, Father, we come to you and we thank you for this revelation of the beast, this system that is underwritten by Satan and his power. It easily connects with us because of our sinful desire to displease ourselves. And so we thank you for the warning. We ask that as the beast takes flesh, as we see it in the world, that you would help us to recognize those things that, and that we wouldn't be caught up in the, what the world's caught up in, but we would be caught up in Jesus. Father, it cost you everything. It cost you your son in order to redeem us from sin. And so, Lord, we pray that we would also recognize that it may cost us everything to stay true as disciples. We pray, Lord, that we would not get carried away with the trickery and the cunning of Satan and how we are so easily taken into idolatry and blasphemy by the system of the world. We pray rather that you would make us steadfast and strong, that you would keep our eyes on Jesus and that you would cause this faith that's in us to become firm and growing. Lord, that as a church, we would continue to make everything here about Jesus, that we would not have the ways of the world among us, but that we would be about you. And we pray that this would be a refuge. Lord, that even though the world might be going nuts, that as everything might be stirred up against you, that as people no longer even want to fight for truth, they no longer want to lean into Jesus, but rather just want to give way to what's easy. Lord, we pray that this place and the people that are here, Lord, that we would be firm. That we would have our eyes on Jesus because ultimately this is not the revelation of the beast. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that with permanence it would be marked on us that Jesus is our everything. We pray this in His name. If you find in your life there may have been something that you could have substituted for internet, little Debbie or whatever, and you've, you've just so loved that thing. It might be a person. It might be a way of life. It might be a food group. I don't know what it is that has your attention. 
Most likely you've made an idol out of that. That is sin. Give that up before the Lord and say, Lord, here's my idol. Here's the thing that I haven't been able to do without. I just need that. Maybe it's an emotion. Maybe it's self-pity. Maybe it's just trying to hop yourself up to joy all the time but without Jesus. Bring those things and say, Jesus, I lay this down and I confess my sin. Please take that from me. And what that is is the first step to go into Jesus is your everything. All right, so as we close in a song, make this your opportunity personally to come before the Lord and say, Lord, here's my sin. I repent. And at the same time, repentance means that you, you no longer do those things, but you're fully on Jesus and you're going to strive to walk in Him. So pray and ask Him for help. Lord, please help me to walk in You.